0: I am, I am super excited about sharing the word with you this morning. Um, you're going to have to do a couple of things to really get the message this morning. You're going to have to, number one, either listen to this message again. Um, number two, which is even better, take some notes. Uh, and number three, I'm going to encourage you to meditate on this word throughout the week so that we can get to where God wants us to get to, okay? So we can arrive at the place where God wants us to be. And so I want to pray, and then we're going to get into the message uh, for today. Um, So let's pray. Father, we thank you so much for your Holy Spirit. We need to depend on your Holy Spirit more than what we do. Um, You are speaking to this nation, and you're speaking specifically to your church. The book of Revelation clearly tells us, He that has in the air, let him hear what the spirit is saying to the church. So you have a clear message for the church. In every season, you are God. And so I pray that this will be a shift for the body of Christ, but it also be something that we personally align with. And that is that you are doing a work. And so, Lord, I ask that you would minister through me to your people who are so precious. I pray that words that hit them, Lord, will be on good ground, good soil. I thank you for a mature church. Amen, somebody. I thank you for a church that no longer wants milk, but they want some meat. Thank you for a church that wants meat that's mature. I thank you for that. Nations need mature church. Neighborhoods need mature churches. And we thank you, Lord God, that as we yield to your Holy Spirit, you truly will fill us, feed us, minister to our appetite. So therefore, anything of the world would not cause us to leave the table of what you have set for us. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Praise God. Uh, with your Bible, let's go to 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 5. Uh, let's start there, 1 Corinthians 2, verse 5. We're going to be looking at a lot of scriptures This morning, I hope that's okay, because a Bible-believing church should read the Bible, (laughs) amen? I think it's a good thing if we believe in the Bible, we should probably read it, right? Amen. So in 1 Corinthians 2, verse 5, reading from the English Standard Version, Paul is writing to this church in Corinthians, and where we want to end up is at Jesus. We want to end up at Jesus. And so in first Corinthians chapter two verse five, Paul is uh, telling this church the reason why he's proclaiming Christ crucified he's telling the church pretty much the essence of of, of who he is and 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 really the reason why uh, the gospel should be preached uh, paul is is telling them this this gifted church but it's crazy the church is gifted but crazy you know uh you, you You know, you're in church for a long time, and you realize that you got some crazy folks in church, right? And so, um, but he says, but you're part of the body. And so, Paul is is addressing this, and he's saying, here it is in 1 Corinthians 2, verse 5. And he says, I'm saying all these things. I'm coming to you. um, I'm coming to you as an apostle. I'm coming to you with, with a past. I'm coming to you with an encounter. I'm coming to you as the one that was Saul, but... Uh, is Paul, I'm, I'm coming to you, and he says that the reason why I'm coming to you is so that your faith might not rest in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. And, and what we are facing both, I believe, personally in your life and as a nation, and I believe as the world. What we need to see more than anything is the power of God demonstrated in our lives. Oh, I think we take a praise break right there. Our children need to see the power of God in our lives. Your coworker needs to see the power of God at work in your life, your marriage, your Finance, every part of your life must experience the power of God. And so the title for this message is this. In order for people then to encounter the power of God, we then must teach truth at the table. Not facts, not logic, not reason. Truth. If you want to see the power of God in your life, we must move to a place where we land on truth. Social media has done a great thing in connecting people all over the world. But what social media has not been able to figure out yet is how to keep sin off the social media. So therefore, with a tool like social media and with many weapons that we have that man has invented under the sovereignty of God, we must be able to discern truth. For people will be lost and will take a tool that was meant to build and destroy. And so when we take a look at this the greatest place, I believe, from looking at Scripture and where the Spirit of God has us, is that God wants us to get to this place where we understand the table. Where we understand the table. And so before we get there, I really just want to lay some groundwork for you. We had prayer meeting on Friday, and it was phenomenal. We had prophetic words, prayed over people, and it was awesome. An awesome time. And one of the things that was uh, prayed over me, and and I received it was just just an ability to discern and, and to see the enemy. And it was almost given as if it was like a scope. It was like I look in the scope, and the enemy from a distance able to recognize the enemy. And every pastor needs to be able to recognize the enemy. Come on. You have to be able to know the power of God to be able to look at someone and say, Get thee behind me, Satan. And not offend them. Come on, somebody. That's <laughs> what Jesus did. Get thee behind me, Satan. That's why you call me Satan. <laughs> no, I'm calling that devil that's trying to mess with you. That's what I'm calling Satan. And so it's important that we understand. That. And so looking at that, I realized now that, that that this is too important for me to, to speed ahead. And so one of the prayer things was, God move him at your speed. I said, Oh, that's good. That's good. That's good. And so where we are right now is this: is that. The Apostle Paul is saying that he wants your faith to rest in the power of God. In the power of God. Uh, Faith is vital because faith is actually what brings us to the table. It's faith. It's not necessarily logic or reason. It's faith that brings us to the table. And why do I say that? Because Ephesians tells us that by grace are you saved through faith. And and it is not of our own works, it is a gift of God. So so faith is the thing that we're fighting for. So when we come to the table, what we must understand is this is that I know that you have experiences birthed from the wisdom of men. I know that. And I'm not insensitive to that. I'm open to that because it reveals a unique perspective of your life experiences. That's what makes you human. And so we welcome that. We have missed great relationships because we have been stuck at not giving people space to be who they are. And so people walk into church and think it's a click. There's no place for me. Shame on us that someone can walk in here and feel there is no place for them. No, No, bring your experiences here. That's what makes you human. Bring it here because there is a place at the table for you. But let me tell you in advance that your diet has to change. That what we're going to be serving is not from the culture. What we have to serve you if we love you is truth. It's truth because you've been lied to out in the world. And why would we love you and continue to build on that lie? That doesn't make any sense whatsoever. And so therefore, we come in now, and the place that we want to arrive together is a place called faith at the table. So therefore, what I bring is not just the wisdom of men. I want the power of God to show up. I've got decisions to make that are vital, and I've shared this. Over and over again, and so and so, Paul is saying right here is that your faith must not rest in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. Power of God. Um, he continues on in First Corinthians two, verse eleven and twelve, and he introduces something that's important. That when we get to the table, um, we have to teach truth, and truth. Write this down: is spiritual truth. Is spiritual. You see, only faith, watch this now, write this down, only faith can acknowledge we don't have the answer, but we have faith in the one who does have the answer. Because people will come and they would ask you questions. If you can't answer it, we automatically think then that there's something wrong with our faith. But no, what faith does, because the power of God, is that we acknowledge that there will be things that we just don't understand. Because if you can understand God, then you must be God. Because it says, my ways are higher than your ways. My thoughts are higher than your thoughts come on and so we serve a God who's sovereign who's massive who's big but he gives us a book he gives us the word of God to understand what's going on and so we must understand that truth is spiritual it welcomes science we're not intimidated by science we welcome reason we're not intimidated by reason but what we want to let you know is that truth is spiritual and if you want the power of God, how many want the power of God? Come on, who wants the power of God, right? Then truth is spiritual, and that is by design. So Paul writes now, and he's saying that this faith that's going to rest in the power of God. He goes on, he says now, for who knows a person's thoughts, except the spirit of that person, which is in him. So also no one comprehends the thoughts of God. How? Except the spirit of God. So back to my earlier exhortation. When we say that we are Pentecostals. Don't let people categorize you in some denomination. That's not what it is. Not biblically anyways. The Pentecost was where he says go to the upper room. In the book of Acts. And it was quote unquote the birth of the church. And it was the 50th day. Right, It was a festival, but it was at that time that God in his sovereignty said, I'm going to send the Holy Spirit. And he says, don't leave until you're endowed with power. And so what did they do? They waited. They prayed. The spirit came. They had power. And Paul preached in the power of God. And birth out of that was Pentecost. And so from that, we realize now that the spirit of God. Is vital to teaching truth. That you can't teach truth without the spirit of God. And so if you're going to teach, you then have to say, spirit of God, I need for you to empower me to speak your word. This might be elementary, but I remember when I had a small Gideon Bible. I was in high school, a small Gideon Bible. It was in my back pocket. It was the good old King James version of it. It was a New Testament and Psalms. Y'all know what I'm talking about, right? And I would read that Minister Blaine, and I'm like, the thous, the do's. And I'm like, what in the world are they talking about? But I had the Bible with me. And so the moment that I got saved, the moment when I know beyond a shadow of a doubt. That the Spirit of God quickened my spirit. I knew at that moment I was saved. When I opened the book again, everything started to make sense then. So it tells me then that to read the Word of God, you can't just read it like you're reading any other book. You have to read the Word of God with the Spirit, illuminating the Spirit, giving you insight into God's Word. Come on. Oh, this is so good so good because because containing the word of god is the answer to your prayer it's the answer to your struggle and god is about to reveal to you come on some in-depth insight based on the word of god because now you're saying i can't just read this like it's a book from men i've got to read it like it's the inspired word of god so if to teach truth at the table, and it is very difficult to get to the table because in verse 12, he says this. Now, now we have received not the watch this now. If it's up there, watch it. Now, now we have received not the spirit of the world. Ooh. Hold on a second. Now. What, what, what's Paul talking about? He's now given us an insight into the spirit realm. And he's now saying that we have not received the spirit of the world, the system of the world. And so it's telling me that when you come to know Christ, you now—just now—are no longer governed by the spirit of the world. Mm. You're no longer governed by that, and so you want people to talk to you about sin. Because you know that sin is a separation from God. And you no longer want to be separated from God. So hearing a message about sin is not offensive to your spirit. It's an offense to your flesh. And we need your flesh to be crucified anyways. So sin is going to sting because it's attacking the flesh. But your spirit rejoices because now you have truth. And you shall know the truth, and the truth shall set you free. Oh, my goodness. Come on. We are fighting for freedom, but you got a freedom. Come on. That nobody can give you but Jesus. There is a freedom that you have that causes you to give God praise and glory and understanding. You have not received the spirit of the world. That's important to recognize the spirit of the world. The spirit of the world. I pulled in the parking lot. I think it was Wednesday and I was mad. I was mad. I don't know why I listened to the news, but I was mad. And I couldn't even come inside. I, I had my uh, protein-rich uh, food that, that Greg has me on this challenge that's hurting me big time. And I don't know why he told me to do this nonsense. And, you know, it's just killing me. And uh, for the Lord, you know what I mean? And I'm just like, I can't have my junk food anymore. And I keep asking, when's feast day, man? Come on. When can we eat? When can we eat? And so I'm in the parking lot, and I'm just listening. And the Bible talks to when Paul was in Athens, and he saw all the idols. On Mars, he saw all the idols, and he just got, he just got agitated. And he says, look at all the idols that are just... They're just in the spirit of this world. And Paul got mad. He just just irritated him. And as a believer, if we're not getting irritated, come on, if if we're not getting to a place where we're we're seeing the spirit of the world and what damage it's doing to humanity and something's wrong, we got to check your pulse. you got to get a righteous anger that makes you go to the word of God. And says, God, when are you going to destroy this nasty devil that's just messing people's lives up? It's the spirit of the world. The spirit of the world. And so this thought came to me and I said, it, it's almost as if the devil is having a field day in the church. And in the car, I was like, God, give me something for these people. And out was birthed this message. Teach truth at the table. And so this word field day is a phrase. It's a military word. I'm like, whoa, look at that. It's an old English phrase of a military Campaign And what the picture he gave me is that the enemy, the spirit of the world is just moving around and he's moving around. And while we're arguing over facts and reason, spiritually, the spirit of the world is like until they get spiritual, they can't detect me. Come on. And I'll hide and I'll hover and I'll maneuver and I'll be intentional and I'll be calculated. Because if we continue on, it says. He did not give us the spirit of the world, but the spirit who is from God, that we might understand things freely given us by God. Write this down. My first point is this. Everything is spiritual. Everything is spiritual. When we tell our children that, everything is spiritual. So when they ask permission, you must, I'm getting ahead of myself, you must always ask, who gave you authority to speak to me like that? I don't care how old they are. you got have to tell your children who gave you that authority. And the reason why is because you want to discern what spirit is leading and manifesting them. This is good teaching. I've told you over and over again, parenting is not easy it's spiritual it's spiritual and so one of the things that we're told that when we come to the table and that's why i told you right that everything is spiritual because i'm going to share something which i think is quite interesting but i'm going to share something with you that the spirit of the world has been robbing the church of doing and if we understand this we can at least advance the gospel message are you ready for this so i'm gonna say everything is spiritual Okay, so as as I'm studying about the table and, and all that's going on. And, and, and I remember I, I heard this statement or this phrase or, or heard people say this. There's certain things you can't talk about at the table. Certain things you can't talk about at the water fountain. Just, you just can't talk about it because you have a variety of opinions of people. And so it's just going to cause trouble. And, and so I did a search. I'm like, what are the things you can't talk about at the table? And some people, there was this seven. People had different stuff, you know, seven. But there were three I knew in my spirit that the world says you can't talk about it. And the church has just eaten it up. It says, okay, we won't talk about it either. And the three things they say you don't talk about at the table is money, religion, and politics. Let that just sink in right there because some of you are like, oh, where's he going with this? You know what I mean? You're getting your, you're getting your ready knowledge. Like, oh. You know what I mean? I'm like, no, let's just, let's just sink. Let the Spirit of God just let that sink in. Because the spirit of the world is governed by these three things. That every issue, I don't care, pick an issue. Every issue lands with these three things. And the enemy has successfully told us, don't talk about them at the table. And so the issue is not the topic, the issue is sin. And if we can deal with sin, we can deal with these three things. Stay with me. Someone say everything is spiritual. Now, while there may be legit reason, because you want to get punched out, right? To not talk about these three things, or you may get blocked or whatever. You know what I mean? It may be. There may be legit reasons to not talk about these things. You know what I mean? There may be. But I want you to know from Scripture that Jesus talked about all three. So if Jesus talked about them, why are we quiet about them? It's because the spirit of the world has closed our mouth because we don't come by faith to the table. And every relationship, hear me now, is governed by these three things. Every single one. In some nations, they actually make it. So obvious these three things are there. We're just more sophisticated, hiding it. And so, Jesus talks about money because in Matthew chapter 6, verse 24, he says this, No one can serve two masters, for you will hate one and love the other. You will be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money in the Bible. He talks about that. Religion, he says in Mark 7, verse 13, he says this, And so you cancel the word of God, Mark seven thirteen. And so you cancel the word of God in order to hand down your own tradition. And this is only one example among many others. He talked about religion. He sure did. He talked about money. He talked about religion. And he talked about politics. Because Jesus is in front of Pilate, the politician. And Pilate said, So you are a king? Watch it now. That's in the court of government. He didn't say, Are you a rabbi? He said, Are you a shepherd? Oh, no, no. He says, Are you a king? Are you challenging the throne that Caesar, government, oh, come on, has authority over? It. Are you causing an insurrection? Are you doing something that's going to cause there to be a riot? Are you saying you're a king and people now must leave the allegiance of Rome and follow you? That was a political question. That was a question. Are you making law? Oh, come on. You, Jesus, who the religious people handed over because they can't do capital punishment, that it needs the Romans to do capital punishment so the religious people didn't want you, and you are going to come before us in this court of law and make law and say you're the king? Who do you think you are? Come on. Mm. And that's exactly what the devil is challenging the church. Who do you think you are coming up in this United States of America and want to share truth? No, no. Who do you think you are, church? Just remain quiet. And so he says, actually, I was born and came into the world to testify to the truth. Come on. And all who love the truth, there it is. Come on recognize that what I am saying is true. So in other words, he's saying this. You can make any sort of category you want to. What I'm telling you is this, is that everyone who loves the truth, come on, will acknowledge that I am king. That anyone who loves the truth, come on, will pledge allegiance to Jesus Christ as Lord and say, because to be a good citizen, I got to first be a good kingdom citizen. He's actually telling you, here is how you actually govern. He's telling the church, come on, set the example for the world. Hallelujah. Let them see that there's a place and there's a people that can come to the table. Come on, and talk about money, and talk about religion, and talk about politics, and still remain doing life together. Because here's the deal. Here's the deal. Every issue is spiritual. Spiritual. And if you're going to commit to take your table back, which is six simple steps, it is simple, not easy, because it's spiritual. And so, in the car, out in the parking lot, I said, enough is enough. Enough is enough. The enemy's not going to run rampant because we don't understand everything is spiritual. Everything. Everything is spiritual. And so people will come and say, I don't understand what's going on and what the world is. We became seeker-sensitive, and so we dumped down the word of God to try to cater to the spirit of the world as opposed to elevating the word of God to a place where it brought conviction and brought power, and people could say, I want to know the truth. Give me more truth. Give me more truth. Listen, to be relevant in this world, understand what the scripture says about these three things. And so that's why the church, we talk about prosperity. That's why the church, we talk about righteousness, not religion. We talk about righteousness. And it comes to politics. We talk about the truth of God's word. I said this, and I'll say it over again. I didn't write it just because, and it goes both ways, just because it is legal doesn't mean it's biblical. It doesn't mean it is. On either side. It's got to be biblical. And if it's biblical, let's wrestle through that together, shall we? Let's fight the truth of God's word together. Let's not fight each other, but let's look at the text. And let's wrestle together. Because my faith must rest, not in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. And so there are times I look at the text and I don't like it. I don't like it we have to forgive somebody. You know what it did to me? I don't like it, but I have to. Do it because everything is spiritual. I want my freedom. I don't know about them, but I want my freedom. And so therefore, we understand this. So, so the table is amazing because I pray at this time now that you realize, okay, Pastor Rowe, what's going to get me to the table? I'm in the pew, but what's going to get me to the table? And this is what needs to be. It's because you realize if I get to the table, faith is telling me you're going to teach me truth. Okay, so, so Johnny, I want you to come to the table. Uh, Billy, I want you to come to the table. Uh, Beth, I want you to come to the table. And I want you to come to the table because I've got to let you realize this, that inviting you to the table is significant. Inviting you to the table is this, is that it creates an intimate and an elegant place for us to break bread together. It is me letting you know that we want to share life together and create memories and prayerfully those memories are filled with miracles. Right, we we want our time together to be where the power of God showed up, where two or three are gathered in My name, right? And there were miracles that we can look back and says, "Oh my goodness!" That when I seem to, to 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 go to another season and the enemy tries to lie to me in that season, I can remind him of this season where I sat down with people and we broke bread together and we wrestled with the text and we came out with truth. And so now I hold on to the truth, which now becomes my testimony in this season. Come on, this is so important, and this is why it's important that we get to the table, because we want to build something. Someone say, build something. Yeah. So everything is spiritual, and at the table, it is for us to build something. See, the biblical times, when you ate with someone at the table, it was a symbol of friendship. And it was how you structured the importance of family teachable moments. Uh, at the table, it, it's an intimate place I mentioned before, but not just not just because it's for breaking bread, but at the table, watch this now, it was an intimate place of security and safety. So, so I fight my way to get to the table because it's a place of security it's a place of safety at the table. Because what I know is what's going to be taught is truth. What's going to be shared with me is truth. And so at the table, while we're having this meal, there is the sense of security and safety. It is also a place of protection and peace and loyalty. And loyalty. That in the biblical time, in the culture, if you sat at someone's table, you were giving them your loyalty. You were saying to them now that I don't come with any agenda. I don't come now with any gadgets. I'm here now because you invited me at the table and it's a place of loyalty, protection and peace, safety and security. How many want all those things? Safety and security, protection and peace and loyalty. They're all spiritual. They're all spiritual. Security is spiritual. Come on. It's not a presence of somebody. It's the presence of God. Right? Your security is not in your home alarm. Your security is in Jesus. And so at the table, we find this to be the case. And so, and so, and and, and this is what I'm doing. And so in taking our table back, I said to Meg, I said, once a week, we're going to get to the table. I know I with going to get to the table. And I said, hey, we're going to do it on Saturday. At, at 5 o'clock, we're, we're going to meet at the table. We're going to celebrate your dad's birthday. And then we're going to come back. We're going to have the table. And it was a fight. Oh, Lizzie, Lizzie asked, what? Did we just go last week to a bunch of different things for her? And she's got what? No, I love her. I do. I really do. Um, but we have to take our table back. And I'm gonna admit to you, there are moments to easily just quit. I will do it next week. But I said, no, babe. We have to take our table back. And in doing that, I'm gonna, I get, you know, I can't cook, so I'll get some rotisserie chicken. Come on from Myers, you know what I mean? And I'll get that and tell me what side you want that we can heat up in the microwave and, and I can have sweet potato. And thank God they have microwavable sweet potato. I'm like, praise God. I stuck that in the oven. I was cooking. Come on, somebody. It was awesome stuff. I was cooking, man. I was like, six minutes? Bang. Come on. Hey, come on. mashed potatoes? Four minutes? Boom. You know what I mean? Got the chicken out. Got the knife. I'm ch-ch-ch. bam. Ch-ch-ch. Boom. Come on. Set the table. But it was a fight. Because it's spiritual. Right? You see what I'm saying? And I have an eyewitness because I went to Myers. Minister Vicky was there. Come on. I said, look at that. You know what I'm saying? Caught in the act. Evidence. It's a battle. Let me tell you what it is. As I turn the corner and come home. It's called spiritual warfare. The moment I open my mouth, as I'm taking back the table, the spirit of the world rose up and he says, no, 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 because truth will be told at the table. I can't have truth penetrate. So I'll give him facts of why he can't meet at the table. And they're actually good reasons. Because you care about your daughter, Lizzie, don't you? Well, yeah. And you know she has a play, right? Well, yeah. And you know you got to be there, right? Well, yeah. So just go. I'll do the table next time. devil is a liar. Because of that moment, God has something because it's called obedience. It's called strengthening my faith. It's about having that. And I said, Turn the TV off. Come on. Nothing good on there, anyways. Come on. And trust me, you can watch it again. Technology has advanced now. You can watch it again. You can record it. You can watch it again. You ain't missing anything. But you may miss God. Come on, somebody. And so we sat there, and it was a fight. Come on, it was a fight. But I said, I can't preach to the people of God to take their table back and I'm not doing it. The devil is a liar. So the motivation was you because I didn't want to come here and say, take your table back and I couldn't do it. And so... I was like, we did it, and it was fast, but we did it, and I cleared the table, come on, because she is no longer, come on, was it over-functioning, you know what I mean, and and, and so so I fixed the table up, and we got to her play right on time, you know what I'm saying, praise God, went a little bit over the speed limit, but praise God, I got there. You see what I'm saying? And I got Lizzie's thing taken care of. Why? Because when you take care of God's business first, God will always make sure that your business gets taken care of. I wish I had one person in this place that recognized, God, I'm taking care of your business. So you take care of my business. Take your table back. Mm. Good God, Almighty. Take it back. Make a commitment. Good God, Almighty. You got to get to a place where your children say, when someone's, can you come over? No. Why? Cause this is a time that we meet for dinner at the table. It is a sacred time. It is a scheduled time. It is a time that I sit down and God is revealing things to my family. I'm sorry. I'll hook up with you later on. We gotta get to that place. I'm telling you right now, if we want to see our neighborhoods change, if we want to see this nation change, as much as I know my name, come on, as much as I know that God has called me to this nation, I'm here to tell you, this is the assignment that God has for us. And by the grace of God, if I gotta drag you, I'm going to drag you and you'll thank me after. But we must get to a place where people are saying, how come things are changing? We tell them it's not the wisdom of man. We tried that. It didn't work. Come on. It is the power of God and it's the power of God at the table it's those places you ask them the hard questions it's at the table you ask those negotiating questions about a race it's at the table you ask those things that are going to advance you it's at the table it's at the table and so I end with this First Corinthians 2, 13, 14 let me end with this so I'm at the table what do I do you teach truth you teach truth so, first, everything is spiritual. Write that down. The second thing is spiritual warfare. Most of us has never engaged in spiritual warfare. But we haven't. We've had nightmares, but not spiritual warfare. <laughs> the Pizza you ate, but not spiritual warfare. If you ever encounter spiritual warfare, trust me, you find yourself in church every single day. If God ever opened up your eyes... And you see what is taking place in the spirit realm. You would find yourself at the table where there is safety and security. I'm not teaching you fear. I'm teaching you truth. Teaching you truth. And so many have never engaged in spiritual warfare. That's where the enemy hangs out. Over every nation. Every nation. What we encounter is spiritual battle. That's the realm where we live. Now, God wants us to get to a place in Ephesians 6 where we deal with spiritual warfare, but we can't get there yet. We can't get there because if logic and reason is going to go with you, you're not going to understand the spiritual warfare because you're struggling with a spiritual battle. Spiritual battle. Now, understand this. When I say everything is spiritual, I am not suggesting that everything is demonic. I will say we've domesticated our demons, but for the most part, not everything is demonic. There's legitimate disease that brings ailment to people. But at the sake of denying spiritual warfare, let's not forget that there is a devil that exists. So while we are in spiritual battle, write this down, don't be ignorant of the devil's devices. I'm almost done. They're coming up soon. They're not up here yet. So spiritual warfare is one thing, but where we hang out is spiritual battle. And where most of your relationship exists is within the realm of spiritual battle. It's spiritual battle. It is a mindset. It is something you came in agreement with, with some spirit. It is something you gave yourself over to. It could even just be unforgiveness. It could be something of bitterness. It is a battle that exists, but it's also things that may have happened to you that you didn't cause. It was some trauma. It was something like rape, for example. It's something traumatic, right? Like you had an abortion or something like that, right? And so the enemy now is running rampant on you now, and he's inflicting you with all these sorts of guilt, all these things that's going on. You hear it from every single place, right? No one knows the full story of why it happened come on somebody right they just labeled you they didn't actually bring you to the table to ask you why you're going through this struggle asking you what's going on that takes too much time and i got no time for that right and so what happens now is that we have these spiritual battles that's taking place that if we don't know how to address it it now becomes spiritual warfare then it becomes demonic get the tape you got, or watch it again Because where we exist is spiritual battle. See, your attitude is in the realm of spiritual battle. Come on. It's in the realm of a spiritual battle. Because the spiritual warfare that is existing, Satan is not omnipresent, so he knows he can't be everywhere at the same time. So what he does now is that he releases something right, and says, keep them occupied so I can continue to do my work. And so while we're wrestling with this issue over here, he's having a field day over in this nation. Come on. It's called distraction. So when you look, and again, I'm referring back to your child, because I think it's important that we raise healthy children. I think think that's important. Someone who's a parent, say amen. amen. And so we have to teach them truth. We have to teach them truth. And so what happens is this, is, is that we have spiritual battle. And so, so why, are we, why are we losing spiritual battles? Because we don't realize everything is spiritual. We don't, think, we don't believe everything is spiritual. Trust me. Um, before you got saved, things were great. You get saved and all of a sudden all hell is breaking loose in your life. <laughs> why did I make that decision? <laughs> it's because we have to teach truth. We have to teach truth. And so here's what he says as he goes on. He says, listen, um, here's my last three points. This is how it's supposed to be. So, so teach truth. Teach truth. Oh, thank you, Holy Spirit. Someone's going to be set free right now when I share this with you. Here's where it is. The first thing is this. Worship is spiritual. Romans 12, verse 1 says, I appeal to you therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God. Watch this now. Which is your spiritual worship. So I take my body now, and I present it before God as a living sacrifice. Holy and acceptable unto God, which is spiritual worship. So when I'm facing this battle, what I do, I worship. I worship, God. I worship. Not just sing songs, but I worship. Because I know that in the worship, in the worship, truth is being revealed to me. For some of you, that's all that it takes right there. Is present your bodies as a living sacrifice. How holding them acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. And so say, God, I come to you with this body. And I yield it over to you. I surrender to you. Why? Because everything is spiritual. The second thing is this. That's why now he equips you with spiritual gifts. Paul in Romans 1, 11, verse 12 says, For I long to see you, that I may impart to you some spiritual gift to strengthen you, that it may, that, that is, that we may be mutually encouraged by each other's faith, both yours and mine. So watch this now. I'm going through a spiritual battle. I need your spiritual gift to be present at the table. To encourage my faith so I don't go back to the wisdom of men. I don't go back to that broken relationship. I don't go back to that dysfunctional relationship. What I do now is you share your spiritual gift with me. And I realize thank you for the gift of the spirit. Some of you're holding back your spiritual gifts. And the body is dying of malnutrition because God's like, I gave the gift to this house. They're sitting on it. Why? Because the spiritual battle, they need to recognize everything is spiritual. Use your gift for the glory of God. Come on. Open up your mouth and use your gift. Demonstrate the goodness of God in your life. And finally, the third thing is this. We must produce the fruit of the spirit. So, my daughter is at the table, and I'm asking her, okay, your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit, and so you use it for God's glory. Okay, what does that mean? That means all your decisions, all your thoughts, first and foremost, recognize it's spiritual. It's spiritual. The second thing is now that you realize that that you have a gift inside of you. And that gift is meant to be used to strengthen others, to strengthen others in this battle. And here's the third thing which I think is critical, it must produce the fruit of the spirit. Galatians 5:22 and 25 says this. But the fruit of the spirit is love, number 1. It's joy, it's peace, it's patience, it's kindness, it's goodness, it's faithfulness, it's gentleness, self-control. Against us there is no law. And those who belong to Jesus Christ have crucified the flesh with his passions and desire. If we live by the Spirit, let us also keep in step with the Spirit. In order to... in order to see this nation changed? Well, let me ask this first. Why do you think God has you here? I just want to ponder on that. I got a couple minutes. Why do you think think God has you here? Let me write that down or think about it. God, why do you have me here? Why am I here? You know, that's one of the greatest spiritual battle questions that there is. Why am I here? Every head bowed, every eyes closed. That's a great place to stand right there. Why am I here? Can you answer that? It's spiritual. Why am I here? If you don't know the answer to that question, get to a table and let them teach you the truth. If you know the answer to that question, invite someone to your table and tell them the truth. Everyone in the sound of my voice, those watching, Right here, my goodness, I declare in Jesus' name that passion will rise up inside of you, and the spirit of this world must depart because the Spirit of God is manifesting this thing. There's so many people hurting, confused. Who do I believe? I got one side telling me this, and the other side telling me this. Who's right? church we have the answer and we must get to the table and teach people the truth of why we're here why are you here i keep hearing the spirit asking that question